nothing like ending a week of fasting with a night of worship, a night of prayer, spending in time with God. I know many of you have experienced some incredible things over the last week, fasting, spending time with God, just disconnecting from the things that sometimes control us, that pull us in the wrong direction. They take us in, in the wrong direction. We don't even realize that we're going in the wrong direction. I know, I know for me, uh, a lot of times I'll be coming back from a, from a friend's house or maybe from a long trip, I'll get on the phone and next thing you know, I'm in another state. It's crazy. And you just, you have no idea that you just passed the exit you were supposed to get, off, get off of. And when you fast, it kind of just it tunes you in to exactly what God wants you to do. Even just a little tweak, just a little tweak can change everything. I want to talk about prayer. Prayer is important to me. And I, 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 it's important to God. It's important to our connection with God. And when I think about prayers in the Bible, I, I, I kind of have a few people that I run to when I need something. Like Nehemiah, Nehemiah. He's not short, but I, he's probably a big guy, honestly. Nehemiah was, if you don't know who Nehemiah is, he was in captivity under exile, God spoke to him to go to the king, ask for permission to go back to Jerusalem to a place he'd never been before and rebuild a wall. His brother came and said, hey, um, um, it, it's bad in your hometown. It's bad. God's not there anymore. The, the people have left. It's, it's really in despair. God speaks to him. And if you read the whole book of Nehemiah, just interjections of prayer, Nehemiah prays. See, if I ever need faith, I read Nehemiah. If I ever need some faith, I just need some faith. Because sometimes you don't know where you're going. You just need some faith to take the next step. Is anybody with me? You just need some faith. You just need a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of encouragement. If I ever need faith, I read Nehemiah. I think Daniel's prayer life was amazing. He risked his life every day to pray. I don't know when the last time you risked your life to pray. Doubt you probably, maybe you risked a little bit of cold, maybe the heat was broken, something like that, but let's be honest, you didn't risk a lion's mouth to pray. Daniel did, got thrown in a lion's did. If I ever need courage, I read Daniel. Spent 21 days fasting, didn't give up. He didn't quit, and God showed up on the 21st day. I love David's prayers. If you read Psalms, I'm doing my shred 30 days reading through the Bible. I'm in the middle of Psalms right now, getting close to finishing it. Long book in the Bible, just so you know. Psalms is a long book of the Bible. And many of those are David's prayers. Everything's bad, bad, bad. God shows up, good, good, good. That's how it goes with David. Bad, 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 bad. God shows up, good, 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 good. If I ever just need a little joy, I read the Psalms. And of course, there's Jesus. You can't get away without talking about prayer if you don't talk about Jesus. Jesus prayed a lot. He had battleground and then holy ground. Battleground and then holy ground. He would spend time casting the devil out, and then we go spend time with God. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it first. He prayed. He spent time with God. I love his prayer in John 17. I call it the Lord's Prayer. I know many of you... Baptists out there, you think our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be our name, is, is the Lord's Prayer. I believe John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. It's a phenomenal prayer. 
And here's what he says towards the end of it. He says, I do not pray for these alone. I like, because he's praying for us. He's praying for Freedom House Church 2022 at Encounter. He says, I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that you also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. If ever need to feel the Father's love, I just read John chapter 17. You can't talk about prayer unless you talk about Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Most theologians believe every book that he wrote, every epistle that he started with, he started with a prayer. My favorite epistle, my favorite New Testament book in the Bible. It might change next week, but right now, (laughs) it's Ephesians. I love Ephesians. Ephesians is a rock star book. It begins like this. Let me just read it out of the message paraphrase. This is how Paul starts. He says, how blessed is God? And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master. Most theologians believe this is a prayer. It takes us to the highest places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. I like to say he had Troy in mind. Had settled on us. Don't don't get mad. God says I'm his favorite. So he had us in mind. Had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration, his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds and mistakes, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are. And who we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had his eye on Troy. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything, in everyone. It's in Christ that you once, that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Just reading the Bible here today. This signet from God is the first installment of what's coming, a reminder that will get everything God has planned for us, a praising and a glorious life. Then he says this, then he says this, at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Let me say this one more time because this is really important because I'm going somewhere with this. The church you see, just look around. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to us. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. In other words, it's our job to be presence carriers wherever we go. It's our job, you and me, you and me. We're the church right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. He put you here. I know you moved here for a job. That was just a way to get you here. 
I know you moved here for a girl. That was just a way to get you here. Or a guy, just a way to get you here. You thought you were just leaving a city running from something. What you didn't realize is God had you running to something all along. All along. You're here for a reason. You're here because God wants you to do something significant. And it begins this year, 2022. See, Ephesus was a a city much like our culture right now. There was a lot of uh, debauchery. There was a lot of problems. They worshiped over 50 different gods in one city. There there was homosexuality. There was attacks on marriage. There was uh, witchcraft and astrology. And the call, this is the call of Ephesians to the Christians who's going to live and influence this culture. So what what God did is through the book of Ephesians, he called Christians to deal with a anti-God culture. That's what he did. And this is the call to you and me as we live in the culture. Remember, this all starts with that the, the world is not peripheral to us. I mean, the world is peripheral to us. The, the, the church is not peripheral to the world. So we have to influence it. So I wanna give you three words tonight, just three words that I believe are the secrets to, the secret to Christianity. I'm gonna give you the secret tonight. Like, this is the secret. Three words, and they're found right in Ephesians. See, Ephesians was divided up into two sections. Chapters one through three is doctrinal. Chapters four through six is practical. Now, what we tend to do is we tend to fall into one or the other. We don't combine both. We tend to fall into doctrinal. I'm right, everybody's wrong. Or we tend to fall in practical and we get caught up in what we're doing as opposed to who we are. So three words. You ready for the three words? See, this is gonna set you up for the rest of the year. Three words. Maybe we shouldn't talk about the three words. Should we talk about the three words? Three words. See, write these words down. You ready? They're easy. Ready? Write them down. This is, this is your calling for the next year. Sit, walk, stand. Just write them down. It's not gonna be hard. It's not hard. I promise you. Sit, walk, stand. Can you all say it with me? Sit, walk, stand. Look at your neighbor. Look at him. Say, sit, walk, stand. One more time. Look at the other neighbor. Say, sit, walk, stand. One more time. Come on. Sit, walk, stand. I will sit. I will walk. I will stand. Write these down. Sit, my position in Jesus. Walk, my life in the world. Stand, my attitude toward the enemy. This is all in the book of Ephesians. First, let's talk about my position in Jesus. You ever had anybody save you a seat? I love it. Did somebody save your seat tonight? Raise your hand if somebody saved you a seat tonight. Isn't that great? You could show up late because they got here before you and said, hey, I got you covered. I got you covered, sweetheart. I'm gonna save you a seat. I got off work a little early. I'm gonna go to church. Saw some of you get here early. You're like, I'm gonna get, we're gonna get front row. We're gonna be front row Christians tonight. You're not gonna sit in the back tonight. You're gonna sit in the very front. I saved. There's nothing better than having a seat saved. There's nothing better than having your name on your seat. I mean, nothing better, nothing better. It's like having reservations at a restaurant. However, sometimes they don't work as good as having your seat saved. God saved you a seat. Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, verse four four says this, but God who is rich in mercy, 
not doing to us what we do deserve. That's what mercy is. So think about that. But God, who is rich in not doing to us what we do deserve, because of his great love which with, he, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace, that's God doing for us what we don't deserve. I like grace and mercy. I don't know, if old school. Grace and mercy are the wonder twins of the new creation. Some of you, anybody over 40 know what I'm talking about. And wonder twins activate. Form of a bucket. Form of an ice eagle. I mean, they, they would do some crazy stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have missed out. SpongeBob ain't got nothing on the wonder twins. I'm telling you right now. Coolest people ever. Grace and mercy are the wonder twins for your salvation. You can't live without grace and mercy. God doing for you what you don't deserve. God not doing to you what you do deserve. Some of you deserve hell. Guess what? God's mercy. Some of you, some of you deserve nothing. You don't, you don't have any talents. God's grace. That's, that's the grace of God. That's how it works. And raised us up. Listen, verse six is all it got to. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. You and I are seated with Christ. Now this is so important. Sit, walk, stand. This is so important because most people start their relationship with God based on doing rather than being. I gotta change this. I gotta stop this. I gotta quit this. I gotta start this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this, I gotta do, it's all about I gotta do, I gotta do this. I remember when I talked to my mom about Jesus, he goes, I'm not good enough to go to church. So there's no way that I could go to church. I can't go to God, I just gotta, I gotta get my life straight before I come to God. I said, mom, that's not how it works. You just come to God like you are, and he'll straighten you out. That's why we have to learn how to sit. We have to learn. See, our doing is only as strong as our being. Christianity doesn't start with do, it starts with done. And most of us have been trying to do Christianity when in reality, it's already been done. It's already been taken care of. When we sit, we're resting. When, when you take a seat, when you sit down, you're resting. You're like, you don't, you don't, you're not carrying anything. All your trust is in the chair that you're sitting in, right? Think about, think about it. God has saved you a seat. Have you occupied it yet? Are you still trying to work your Christianity out? Or have you just sat down and rested in the wonder twins of God's strength, his mercy, and his grace? Sitting is resting. It's an attitude of resting. When we sit, we bear the, he bears the burden. He bears the responsibility. I want you to just think about this for a second. Creation, Genesis chapter one. Day one, God created the heavens and the earth. Day two, God created the land and the water. Day three, God created the grass, the seeds, the trees, vines, flowers, roses. Day four, God created the moon and the sun, the stars, and the galaxy, and the universe. Day five, God created all the animals, the hippopotamus, the giraffe, the lion, the beetle bug, mosquitoes, flies, worms, gnats. God didn't create cats. The devil did. 
Just saying. You were saying cats, but not. They weren't in Eden. There was the serpent and then a cat standing right beside him. Don't send me any emails either. I don't like cats. I see what you're trying to do there. You're trying to trick me. (laughs) Day five, he created all the animals, the living stuff, the creeping things. Day six, God created man. He created them male and female. God created male and female. Then what happened on day seven? He rested, right? Adam was brought into a completed work. But yet we come into God trying to complete the work. Are you following me? See, this is why it's so important as Christian. If you want the secret to Christianity is first, you gotta learn how to sit. You gotta learn how to sit in your seat that God has reserved for you. We were brought into God's creation in rest. Day one, God worked. Day two, God worked. Day three, God worked. Day four, God worked. Day five, God worked. Day God, day, day six, God worked. Day seven, God rested. That's what he did. And so Adam was brought into not having to do anything. He basically entered into a rest that God had already prepared. When you, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, by grace you have been saved, not of works. By grace you have been saved by, through faith, not of works, not of myself. I can't do it myself. Sitting is knowing the work has been finished. That's why Jesus said in John 19, 30, it is finished. It's completed. Sitting is trusting that it's complete. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. The, the com- now, here's the command. The cam- command is to not sit down, but to be seated. So we got to make sure that we're not, not being seated. We, 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 we got to do something. See ourselves seated. We, are, we have a part to play. How do I know I'm seated? God's word declares it. You don't feel it. It's not a feeling. It's, it's not a feeling. It's not, well, I feel like, you know, I'm in the right place. No, it's, it's God declared it over you. See, the secret to forgiveness, listen to me, have a seat. That's the secret to forgiveness. The secret to your, your, your freedom from addiction is have a seat. That's your freedom. It's not gonna come by using your willpower and, and doing three steps. That comes after you have a seat. I was in Trinidad, I was doing some um, ministry and we were doing, I used to do these crusades. I used to raise money and then I'd go to these countries and I'd do these big crusades. And always, I'm, I'm a work hard, play hard kind of person. So I usually work hard and I, at the end of anything I'm working on, I always have a reward. Like I'm gonna reward myself at the end. So I have something to look forward to, like a goal at the end. And so in Trinidad, it's beautiful, beautiful country. And so at the end, I decided, there was a big group with me, and I decided, I'm gonna go, we're gonna go to the beach at the end of this trip. And so we go to the beach, and I love swimming, I love the ocean, I love waves, I love to get out in the waves. Well, the waves were massive, huge waves, and they were a little ways out. And so I start swimming out, and I tell the people, hey, listen, if you can't swim, don't come out here, because you'll die, and I'm not responsible for that. This is my playtime, you know, I'm not, 
responsible for your death or life, okay? I just wanna have some fun. I wanna swim around in the waves and body surf. And so I go out there, and all of a sudden, I see this guy on the other side of the waves, and he's thrashing all around. And I can tell this guy is about to drown. He's about to drown. So I swim up to him, and he's thrashing. He's trying, and the waves are tackling him. And I realize that he can't speak English. He's German, I found out later. He's, you know, saying stuff in German. I'm not gonna even try to say it because I might cuss. So I, I just, you know, he's just saying all kinds of stuff in German and, and just screaming. And I go up to try, I say, hey man, let me help you. And he's swinging at me and trying to hit me and, and he's, because he is freaking out. See, you really can't, how do you save a drowning man? Sometimes you have to knock him out. Or sometimes you have to wait till they're so exhausted they get saved. Sometimes God is waiting for you to get so exhausted trying to save yourself that he'll rescue you. Secret number one, what is it? Sit. Secret number two is walk. This is my life in the world. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk, to walk to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Sitting is our position in heaven. Walking is the outworking of that here on earth. Sitting always is followed by walking. You don't walk and then sit. You sit and then you walk. Don't get it out of order. Our walk is what people see. Our walk is our conduct. Our walk is, is how we stand out. Our walk, walk is the practice of our convictions. It's, it's, it's what distinguishes us from the world. This is super important because there's, at this moment in history, we have to look different. We have to be different. We have to talk different. We have to walk different. We have to believe different. We can't, we can't co-mingle the truth with a bunch of junk that people are saying. And we can't dumb down the truth thinking that that's gonna help somebody that doesn't know the truth. And that's, that is so far from it. Paul uses the word walk seven different times in the book of Ephesians. He says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should Walk in them, Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. There's the calling right there, Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love, Ephesians 5, 8. And you were once, dark, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, Ephesians 5, 15. See then you that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We sit with Christ so we can walk before men. Walking means progress in our relationship with God. That's what it means. It means the progress. That's what walking is. You're progressing. But there's also an aspect of our walk that is preparation. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives a parable. He talks about five, ten virgins. You remember the story? Five were wise and five were foolish. Okay, five were wise and five were foolish. And basically the story goes that, that the, they, they go, they had these lamps 
and they have these, and I'm just, this is the Maxwell translation, okay? I'm gonna give you the Maxwell expository on Matthew 25, okay? So they have these bags that they're supposed to carry oil in to fill their lamps. And the reason why five were wise and five were foolish is the wise ones were the ones who did not, I mean, they carried oil with them. The foolish ones just had their lamp. Whatever they had, they had. In other words, they weren't prepared. The Bible says at midnight, the bridegroom called. The five that were wise trimmed their lamps, used the oil that they had prepared for the bridegroom. The five foolish said, oh my gosh, we're out of oil. We, we don't have enough. Will you give us some? And the wise said, I'm sorry, we can't because if I give you some, I'm not gonna have enough. Later, after they go with the bridegroom, the bridegroom comes back to them. Jesus comes back, and, and they come back to Jesus, and they ask him, hey, hey, what about us, the foolish? They go to the city, they buy the oil, then they come back, and, and they come, hey, Jesus, can, can we come in? And he says, I don't even know you. See, this is, walking is, is, for, is to prepare us for what is coming. In other words, it's, it's a, we can't live our Christianity paycheck to paycheck, crisis to crisis. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5, verse 8, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Another way to say it is allow yourself to be continually made full. Prepare your heart on a regular basis to be able to take the next step. Have enough oil to take the next step. Have enough oil to process the next crisis that you're dealing with. In my, in my experience, a lot of Christians wait till there's a problem to get with God instead of get with God before the problem gets there. And so then they hit the problem and they're wondering, why, why can't I get God? They're knocking on the door and you know what he's saying? I don't, hello, who are you? Like, do, do we know each other? Have we even met yet? Have, have we even connected yet? Have we, have we even spent any time together yet? Secret number one, sit. Secret number two, secret number three, stand. This is my attitude toward the enemy. Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11, it says, finally, my brethren, this is the last thing he's gonna say, and then I'm done. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's our sit right there. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That, that's my seat. I, I, I'm sitting in my seat. Put on... The whole armor of God. What's that? That's my walk. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to <clears throat> withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand having your waist girded with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Listen, sitting leads to walking and walking will always lead to conflict. Always. If you're not facing any conflict in your spiritual life, you're not walking. If you don't feel the tension in our world right now, 
Because there's two camps. One camp, I'm just going to ignore it. The other camp isn't even experiencing it. Because there's two thrones at war. Two kingdoms in conflict. God, who has already won dominion over the earth. And then Satan over here, who is trying to take back what God has already won. That's the conflict. He does not like the fact that you're in church tonight. He does not like the fact that you're here today. He does not like the fact that you worship God. He hates it when men do what they what happened. Hates it. He, he this this is the, this is the this makes the devil so angry when people decide to walk out their Christianity. And we're right in the middle of this conflict. Stand. It means to hold your ground. Doesn't necessarily mean to take ground. It means to hold your ground. That's what it means. Because you, what you're standing on is owned by God. You have a seat. You're walking it out. It's owned by God. That's, that's, you have it. It's yours. All of, all of the equipment that I just read, mostly defensive. Waste. Girded with truth, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith. There's only one, is the sword. See, remember, our walk and our warfare come from the seat we occupy. The sword is the word of God backed by the name of Jesus. That's, that's it. That's what it is. I will sit, I will walk, I will stand. All authority is given to that name. We are, listen to me very closely. We are carriers of the word and custodians of the name. Very important. You carry the word of God. But the reason that that word is powerful is because of the name. God is committed to the name. He's not committed to you. He's committed to what you're under. Are you following me? This is where we get really mixed up. When we, when we stand against the enemy and he doesn't back down, it's when we have another name that's connected. See, it'd be one thing for me to give you a blank check. If I just gave uh, Pastor Matt a blank check, just, hey, here's a blank check. He might be able to get somewhere with it. Might. But he'd have to forge my name on it. He'd have to go to the bank or go wherever he's going to go. He's going to write my name on there, write the amount of check off. He might be able to get by with. They probably videotape it and he'd go to jail. Just say it. He might. But it's a big difference when I give him a check and I sign it on the bottom. This is what happens when we understand our sit and our walk. God has signed a blank check. This, this is, I want you to get this in your head. This will change the whole way you look at Christianity. The, the, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. Acts chapter 19. There were these sons of Sceva. You remember the story? Remember the story? They decided that they were going to try to cast out some demons. I don't know if you've ever cast out a demon before. I've cast out many demons. Okay? You don't want to talk to demons. You don't have a conversation with them. I know it sounds cool to think about, well, you know, ask them your name. Don't, you don't want to ask a demon their name. I don't care what the name is. I just want him gone. I just want him to get out. I don't need to know what his name is. He's leaving anyway. 
I don't need to know how he got there. I don't know how long he's been there. I don't really care. I just want the demon to leave. So they go into this cave to cast the demon out of this person. And they say, we cast you out in Jesus' name. And, and the demon, and you better get nervous if the demon starts talking back to you. If he doesn't leave right away, you better leave. And so the demon goes, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but I don't know you. And he rips all their clothes off and whips their tail. Not a good demon exorcism day when you get your clothes ripped off and your tail whipped by a demon. Why? They went with a blank check, no signature. No signature. God is committed to the name. He's committed. He stands by the name. He stands behind that name, Jesus. So how, how, do, I, how do I know that God has given me a sign check? How do I know? It's easy. When you're committed to the purpose of God. Not your purpose, God's purpose. You got a sign check. When you know that you're commissioned by the power of God, it's not my fame, it's not my influence, it's not how good of a singer I am, it's not how many people I know, it's not how much money I have, it's not how big my house is, it's not how many cars I have. No, I'm commissioned by the power of God. I'm qualified by the power of God. It's those that are committed to the purpose of God, those that are commissioned by the power of God, and those that have chosen to give God the glory. Those are the ones that God gives a check and signs his name. Then you can use that name because you've decided that he is the Lord of your life. This is an exchange. It's one thing to be a believer. It's one thing to be saved. It's another one. It's another thing to have Jesus as your Lord. You have a, you have a blank check in your hand to write to deal with the enemy. Freedom House, we're gonna stand against the enemy. Freedom House, we're gonna hold our ground. Why? Because we sit in heavenly places. We walk worthy of the calling that God has given us and we'll keep on standing. Come on, stand up on our feet. Give God some praise. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on, say it out loud. Say, I will sit, I will walk, and I will stand. Come on, say it again. I will sit, I will walk, and I will stand. Father, I'm just, I'm just gonna pray over here. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that we have been given a seat in heavenly places next to our big brother, Jesus. And Father, I pray that, that people today, right now, Lord, if they have never taken their seat, would take their seat. Matter of fact, if you're here right now, in the sound of my voice, if, if you need to take your seat, just put your hand right on your heart right now. God, I wanna take my seat. I've been, I've been, I have not been occupying my seat. I have not been taking my position in Jesus. God, you have given me a, you have reserved a seat. You've saved me a seat. And right now, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it right now. I'm gonna take it right now. Just take it, just take it. Say, Lord, I'm taking my seat. I'm taking my seat. I'm taking my seat. I'm taking my seat. Maybe you need to start walking. You ain't been walking. 
look, I'm just gonna let you know, when you start walking, you're gonna hit some conflict. But you know, you, you know that your life is not different than your friends who are not Christians. You know you blend in way better than you stand out. Father, I pray right now, God, that they would walk out their calling. Walk it out. God, let them know how much you love them. God, show them right now how much you care for them so that we can walk out. Walk it out. I'll walk, God. I'll walk. I will distinguish myself in Jesus' name. And some of us, it's time to stand. It's time to hold our ground for our families. It's time to hold our ground for our city. It's time to hold our ground for our country. It's time to hold our ground for our students. It's time to hold our ground. So, Father, we stand and we keep on standing. We keep on standing. We stand and keep on standing. God, thank you for the word of God and the name of Jesus. All authority has been given in that. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against us shall fall. Father, we thank you that all authority, all power is in the name of Jesus. There is power in that name. And Father, when we speak that name over our schools, when we speak that name over our nations, when we speak that name over our marriages, when we speak that name, the name of Jesus over our families, over our kids, God, we thank you that we come with a sign check, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. One more time, church. I will sit, I will walk, and I will stand. Come on, give God some praise. Come on, give him some praise.